The other thing that I like about email is it's it's not owned by anyone. So obviously, like you have to pay to get email out the door in some way. Like you have pay people to do the work. You have to pay an ESP to get it into the world and all this kind of stuff. But like. If, if you're doing social, like you've just got a big old bill that you've got to pay Facebook or Meta or whatever they call themselves. And the same for Google for, you know, advertising and, and Twitter and, and wherever else. So like those channels are great and they're useful, but also they're, they're closed. And if, if Facebook come in one day and say, not only, you know, they can say, hey, the price has gone up, but also they can say, hey, this functionality isn't available anymore. We're not doing this. You can't do this. So like that control is, is in our hands as marketers more in email. Today in Boxing, Elliot Ross, CEO and founder of Action Rocket and Taxi for Email. So yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you found yourself, you know, leading email companies and being your whole life, really. Most of your <laughs> professional life is all about email. Yeah, so like when I was 24, I don't know what I was doing. I think I was working in a bar or something. I was maybe DJing. I, yeah, I was DJing by then, but I can't remember what when that would have been. Yeah, so I was not doing... Actually, I maybe was starting off doing email. So like, yeah, my, my background, I guess, is I've, I've worked in like web agencies, advertising agencies, whatever, like, and, and studied as a designer at, at uni and was into design, like, kind of from being a teenager onwards, I guess. So like, I kind of ended up doing email because I was bouncing around lots of different ad agencies. And at the time, like, there was a big kind of freelance contractor scene. I don't know if that still exists anymore, but like, it was pretty much like an ad agency would be like, hey, we've, we need someone in, to come in for a week like come and do this big project for a client and then go. So like the, there was a, a huge kind of group of freelancers that ad agencies would call upon. So like I did that for a few years and, and worked in a whole bunch of places. And then I ended up one day covering for someone at eDialog, which is like a email, the ESP, like they, they got bought a couple of times and then turned into, I think there's Zeta Interactive, part of that conglomerate, whatever that, that group of, <laughs> of companies is now. Um, so yeah, um, so I ended up staying there for like six years and I'd, I'd done some email stuff before, but like it was initially I, I kind of stayed because like I was like, oh, this, this is like massive clients and we could do really creative work for them. And no one really cares because it's email. So I was like, I'm going to stay here and my, my portfolio is going to be great because like I've got, you know, I had like British Airways, Ikea. We did like London 2012, like just all of the this, this stuff for the Olympics, which is like crazy to have in your portfolio as a designer, right? And then... And just being around all those projects, like especially a lot of those things are, are kind of through the through the line, like you know, like you're working with people doing billboards and the overall branding and all that kind of stuff. So that was cool. I, I worked there for like six years, seven years, uh, yeah, about six years, and then went back to being freelance in like 2012. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm kind of, I want to, you know, you just get itchy feet after a while. That's like a, a saying. Like, <laughs> I don't know if that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, it's like you know, in our private conversation, you know, yeah. I was real. I learned Brill yeah, yeah. like two weeks ago from a client. Oh, and he nice. used to be Brill. And I was like, what, yeah, what yeah. are you saying? What is that good or bad? Yeah. I don't know if, yeah, if, it's, if, it, if that's an English saying, but like, yeah, like, that means I wanted to go somewhere. It's like you wanted, to get out, you wanted to get somewhere else. Yeah. It's yeah, time I to move on. All right. It wasn't like some kind of fungus or something. Um, so, yeah. Um, so I, I went and, and basically freelanced. And I was like, oh, I'm going to work from home and, and just do like go freelance and do some stuff at home for a while. What was interesting is that like, I walked out of your dialogue and like, had like there'd been a rotating door like I didn't realize at the time but like a lot of campaign people advertising people whatever like they'd worked there for like a year or so and then bounced to somewhere else so like after six years it's like I updated my LinkedIn and like a whole bunch of people were like oh great like I worked with you previously like you know we did these really cool projects can you come and do this for me and like there's a whole bunch of people at other ESPs or other brands or whatever so I ended up like walking into some pretty good freelance work kind of straight away so I did that for a year and I'd, I'd been kind of doing little bits while I was at Action Market uh, while I was at, at eDialogue kind of coming in at six in the morning to, to do like three or four hours work before the day starts and stuff like that and then um so I kind of built like a bit of a you know nest egg if it, if it all went wrong and then after a year I was like oh, I've got too much work so I, I hired a couple of people that I had worked with in the past and then that kind of turned into Action Market pretty quickly and now Action Market is like 25 people 30 people something like that and yeah, we have like a, we, we actually just reopened our office. We, we kind of closed the office for COVID and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, we're, we're back in, in London, um, which is cool. We have like another office out where I am now, which is like a, 
like you kind of have to have an office to to give the bank and stuff like that <laughs> um you know like an address <laughs> um so like we we were never kind of totally remote but like you know a lot most people have been working at home and, and now we have yeah back in london this is sort of nice big office all that kind of business yeah and i kind of got into the industry that way i guess um so i've been doing email for like 10 20 years i guess at this point so that's, that's all right awesome yeah, that's where we are now <laughs> All right, what do you see in your inbox that make you cringe? That's not one of the questions. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's not. Surprise. <laughs> um, so like a big thing for me, and, and this might cross off like kind of top tips and things like that, is like, so for me, and I guess it maybe goes back to that advertising background. Like I, I worked at this agency a long time ago, like 20 years ago, whatever. And, the, and it was drilled into us, this idea of like, you have to have a concept. You have to have a message in what you're doing. Like you can't just chuck a load of text out and and hope for the best like and and especially in other channels like email is is fairly cheap to produce and get out, but like if you're making a billboard or a tv show a tv advert or, or whatever like you've got a putting a load of money behind it like thousands of pounds right. behind it so like you've got to have right. a really strong message that resonates with people and all that kind of stuff and like to me like that i think is like the number one thing for like making a successful email campaign is that it's actually got to resonate with people. It's got to be useful. It's got to help them. It's got to excite them. It's got to fulfill their needs in some way. And like, so the thing that makes me cringe is kind of when you see stuff and you're like, so obviously like, you know, I guess like having worked behind the scenes, like you can, you can look at an email and be like, oh, I know what the brief was here. Someone said like, we've got to sell all these t-shirts and I don't care about anything else. Just get an email out and, and try and sell them and obviously no one wants them you know or, or whatever like so so that kind of thing like stuff where it's obvious that it's just like the end result is is get something out the door rather than actually achieve a goal if that makes sense <laughs> all right so how long did it take to get action rocket or or taxi we didn't really mention taxi yet but taxi yeah, yeah. actually became the bigger of the businesses right like if that's fair to say uh i don't know i think they're both about the same size i'm not sure that like yeah so like taxi kind of came out of like a need that we saw pretty quickly which was like we were making html like we're making design and you know campaigns for people but also we were making like templates for marketers that wanted to do stuff and they would come back to us like you know a week later saying hey that work you did can you change the content can you put this content in or can we do it like as the marketer and like all the market, you know, they'd be like, Oh, we, we tried to change it and it's all gone wrong. Like, which is cool because that's, you know, HTML and, and that kind of stuff isn't necessarily a marketer's skill set, like, or their strong suit or whatever. Like, they, there's lots of things that a marketer's got to do, especially in email, and they don't have to be digging into the HTML. So, like, getting an agency to do that kind of work is, on the one hand, it's, it's good, but like, it's also like it's good work, but also. It's not the best use of like fairly expensive designers, developers. Like it also tends to lead to like emergency mistakes or the emergency things that need to be changed. Like mistakes come in quite often, all that kind of stuff. So like there's a we, we kind of quickly came up against that and we're like, oh, there's got to be a better way to do this. And then around the same time, a, a customer came to us and was like, they were like a language school and they wanted to make email in like 20, 30 different languages. So they wanted to do like a whole bunch of, of email. And then there's, there's not only 30 different languages, but also like a whole bunch of like different stages on where you were in the course, whether you're doing well, whether you're doing badly, all this kind of stuff. So like they needed to make like, I think it was like 17,000 different combinations of, of HTML. And like as an agency, we were like, oh, this is going to be like 5 million pounds to make, like, <laughs> which is a lot. <laughs> um so we ended up making Taxi pretty quickly. And, and like the version of the Taxi that they had at the start wasn't what it is now, obviously. But like basically a way for them to make those 17,000 email, 17, emails quickly and without us doing it all for them. So it's kind of a way to get content into a template, into an HTML, you know, and then get it all into their ESP and get it all, all this sort of smart stuff set up so that the right people got the right bit of the email and all that kind of thing and it kind of grew from there but what was interesting is like that first client was like i mean they're still with us but like they they had pretty complex needs that took us like when we were trying to work out like how do we solve this they took us far beyond like oh this is just a build an editor that can get one email one bit of content into one email like they had like a whole bunch of people that needed permissions and access control and all that kind of stuff they needed API stuff to get into their ESP. They needed like management and, and even just 
understanding of like how multiple languages work. So like German is by the the sentence structure is different. So it's not just translate these words, like it's got to be rewritten. We did like Thai, Chinese, like Cyrillic for, for Russian languages. So like there's a whole bunch of like really complex stuff we had to solve like right at the start. And I think that was really interesting because like that meant that it pushed like we didn't solve all those things immediately, but we knew that we had to solve them. So we didn't kind of close off our ability to solve them by making a quick decision on, on a certain thing. Yeah, so, so that was pretty cool. So like over time, like taxi grew to be something like the other thing that we kind of realized pretty quickly was like the problem is not just get the content in, it's also manage all these people and, and help like organize all this stuff and systematically avoid errors from happening and and stop the HTML from going wrong and all this kind of stuff. So like, like taxi kind of grew pretty quickly to being something that was like really strong for enterprise email creation. Yeah which is like a really hard job. All right. So what were the biggest challenges growing these businesses? Uh, a lot of different things. So like there's a lot to do that you don't realize. So like when you're both Taxi and Action Rocket are solving a problem, right? So you've got a fairly decent idea of what the problem is to solve. Like you have clients that are very vocal in what problem they need solving and things like that. And doing that with software in particular is is fairly straightforward because you can sit and think, okay, cool, this is what the outcome needs to be. Let's work out the best way for this to happen, you know, systematically do it really smartly and all this kind of stuff. What you kind of have to learn going along is like you have to build a business as well. And like business is means contracts and like paying people, you know, like the entire structure of like an HR function, laptops and things are fairly straightforward. Like you can buy people a laptop and get them some software and whatever. But like building an organization where like it's clear, we, we try to build an organization that was like fairly flat in terms of structure, but helping people understand like where they're empowered to do what they think is best versus where they there's a non-negotiable position that they need to follow is like you have to really be strong in building that culture and like culture is like not a static thing it's something that has to be maintained and you have to kind of keep on sort of shepherding it and stuff like that so like that kind of thing i i thought was a really like, i think we did it well but like it's a really hard challenge because you there is no there's no textbook and like with code there's a right or wrong answer a lot of the times and sometimes there there's multiple answers and there isn't a perfect answer and whatever but like the rest of the stuff you kind of just have to work it out as you go along but yeah like i think when people look at kind of startups and entrepreneurial stuff and that kind of thing, like it's really easy to be like, I'm just going to do my startup. And it's like, what is your startup going to do? It's like, oh, I don't know yet. Like that doesn't matter. It's like, <laughs> you're not like, you know, the, the end result is not to do a startup in some way. It's to solve a problem. It's to to help people. It's, you know, you need to work out like so how finance. Need- yeah, exactly. And, and how are you going to deliver some value that you can then charge people money for and all that kind of stuff. Like, that's the hard stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, and you, you never also get it right. Like, you have to, well, you don't get it right first time, but also you getting it wrong is what helps you get it right. So you have to make mistakes to be able to, to get there. Yeah, so let's go to the flip side. So, like, so what do you feel were the biggest contributors to the success of the companies? That's interesting. Like, there's, there's a few things. So, like, so one is, like, we had a really good team. We still have a really good team. Like, both our, our Action Rocket and Taxi. Like, I think, like, hiring is really important like people talk about like hire slowly and fire quickly i think i, I can't remember like <laughs> i think that's the way around that you want it but like <laughs> you, you've got to so like you you got to be really careful careful we're like intentional about who you hire and really understand like how they're going to add value and things like that and if it's not working out you have to have those conversations you can't just shy away from them or be like oh well let's just leave it and see how it goes like you've got to be very clear and you know, not only have the right people, but kind of nurture them and get them to what's going to help the business and, and what's going to help them and, and all that kind of stuff. So like, yeah, I think that like having a really strong team, I think it is, is a massive contributor. And like, you know, we, we get that wrong occasionally and, and that kind of stuff, but you kind of, you learn as well what what's how, how to kind of, you know, what the warning signs are and things like that as you go a bit. I think also like to some extent, that kind of network, I think is, is really important. Like being to like, all that time at eDialog, I think, was really good because that there's my kind of network of people that I could tap into or not even to be like, hey, do you want to buy a taxi? Just like, hey, look, 
what's how does email happen there? What's the challenge? Like you know, just to understand how they do stuff and to see problems people have and things like that. Like that, that's a massive help. I think the other thing is it's just there's a lot of stuff that helps you, like a lot of little things that help you. And like one is just circumstantial. Like at the time, like sort of 2010-ish, 11, like there was a bit of an email geek scene, but like 2000, around sort of 2008, like there was, there weren't really many people putting out their thoughts on email design. Like there was an email industry and there were people, the kind of, I guess, people who aren't only influencers, that kind of group of people, they were putting out a lot of content, but they were a lot more focused on deliverability, that kind of stuff. When they talked about creative, it was literally within the realm of like what work, words work and, and things like that. Like it wasn't really in depth <laughs> of what what I've seen at creative agencies. So like I started writing a lot of stuff and and had like a blog and and on Twitter and stuff like that, kind of putting my thoughts out there. Like which I think like got a lot of traction, which was cool because there's a kind of gap. There weren't many people doing that. There's like Roz Campaign Monitor. There's Justine at Litmus. There's a few other people putting stuff out, but not a huge amount of people. Um, Anna at Style Campaign. And then over time, I think like 2012, 2013, I've seen some stuff with Litmus. Like we did before like what is now Litmus Life, there was the email design conference. And then before that, we did like a, a little thing in Boston, at, at, like the Litmus office. And there's literally like 30, 40 people. It was called the the dark art of mobile email. And we we spent like a day with like a whole bunch of people kind of doing like a workshop of how to code mobile. Like that was when responsive was first kind of coming out. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. It's interesting. It's very dated, you know, like the mobile, the big mobile, you know, mm. uh, yeah, I mean, it was really wild because it was really like an incredible change, you know, that like you could design yeah. an email for mobile, but it was yeah. very like 2012. I think Chad White was talking about this, like when I had him on, like mm. that was like, he was kind of annoyed that he was like really like lamenting that like there's still emails that come in not optimized for mobile, like in yeah, yeah. 20, like it's like 10 years later, a decade later, we're yeah. like, nine, you know, whatever it is, 70% of people are opening their emails on their phone first. And uh, <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, but I mean, like even that, like mobile did, I think helped us a lot because there was, you know, people who had been chucking out the same creative for years. They hadn't really thought about how to do it in a productive, uh, in an efficient way. And also like mobile was forcing them to do something about it. So like we um, just being there when there was a whole bunch of people saying, oh, we need to level up our email. Like was was good for us. Like we, we grew a business off that. Uh-huh. Right. Like you could do mobile. You can, you know, that, that, that was like a big boost to the whole business. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Cool. All right. What was the most surprising thing that you've learned, you know, in the last 10 years, let's say. Hmm. Um, I've learned a whole bunch of stuff about legal. That's not very exciting. (laughs) Yeah. Like I think the the thing you realize that you, you don't see when you're looking, unless you're involved in like running a business is like the stuff that has to happen that you don't see even when you're an employee, like is crazy. Like just the amount of things that have to be done and the amount of sort of things you have to be responsible for. And therefore, if you're responsible, you have to be involved in. So like legal is one, like through all the time that Taxi was independent, like I was involved in every legal conversation and Will, the co-founder with me was as well. Like, you know, we were... CEO and CTO like we didn't really have a legal counsel we had an external counsel but like just the the amount of stuff that you're involved in I think is is one of the biggest surprises <laughs> um, the other <laughs> thing is, is like when you're an employee I think you see even when people talk about see I'm, I'm not going to make any friends with this point but it's from a good place um hopefully it won't cut out in a in a point where I'm, i say something awful but like oh yeah no, that's exactly it's funny because it's just the same phrase you know andrew bonar gave when he started talking about <laughs> privacy protection right <laughs> he's a big yeah. he's a big advocate you know don't yeah, yeah. download anything in his email yeah yeah so like when um so when people <laughs> talk about like salary right and you as an employee i completely get it like you know, oh, my salary is this, or why, you know, the, in, the result of salary surveys and all of this kind of stuff, salaries should be higher. Okay, cool. I completely get that as an employee, right? And I'm, I'm an employee now. What I think don't necessarily realize is 
businesses on the whole aren't sitting there going, how can we screw over our staff? Like off, almost always, they're like, how do we do the best for our team so that we can pay them as much as we can and support them as much as we can so that they don't leave, right? Because like, as one reason, because when people leave, it's expensive. Like apart from anything else, as a cold uh-huh. hard business, <laughs> like you've got to then hire people, you've got to offboard them. There's a whole load of knowledge that leaves the business. You've then got to get someone else up to speed. It takes about six months to get someone like fully up to speed if you're going to replace someone and all of this kind of stuff. So like that kind of, I think like that kind of view of like, oh, my salary's low or the salaries could be higher or should be higher or whatever. It's like, yeah, cool, completely. I get that. But like, I think it is somewhat naive to a whole bunch of other factors that go on. Like if nothing else, like if if I paid, so say I pay you, like if you're working in the UK and I paid you like 50 grand or something like that, right? As a company, you also have to pay national insurance on top of that. And you have to, you have to, and actually national insurance comes out of that, but like you have to pay yeah, employers NI, which is like on top of, of, of that. Um, you also have to pay like a whole load of equipment. You have to then have a bigger office, um, an office, like the overhead for our office is, is fairly big amount of our, of our um, revenue, like all of this kind of stuff. So like, you don't realize at the time, like actually employing someone is is more than just the salary you give them. So yeah, so like I think, sorry, this is a bit of a rant, but like, yeah, that, that's one thing that you- No, it's of, totally fine. And I yeah, get it. I mean, the same thing is true in Israel. Like, salary yeah. is salary, pal- sal- employers pay pension- they yeah. contribute to yeah, yeah, pension, yeah, yeah. pension. They contribute to you know, B2, you know what we call B two H Lumi is national insurance the same. It's direct yeah, translation. So like, so so you, there's you a pay, lot going on there. Yeah, if you pay someone's salary, like often you know you're paying 50 percent on top of that in in other stuff. And if you pay them more salary, that number goes up as well quite often. Um, so yeah, you know, like that kind of thing. I think was was a surprise to me because I've never been you know I've never run a business and. I, I'd right. exactly. I think what you're hitting. I think what you're hitting on is that most businesses are not making money like hand over fist, and yeah. you know, just you know, pocketing tons of money. You know, the people at top are, are pocketing millions every year while they pay. You know, everyone's getting yeah, uh, exactly fifty thousand quid a, a year. You know, it's, yeah. it's very. It's not. That's not the story at all. It's, it's most no, people no. Are struggling by and getting just keeping the lights on. Yeah, and they're happy and, with that. And often, like <laughs> when you have money to, to spare in inverted commas, like you use that to reinvest in your business. Like especially, but like both both Ashmark and Taxi are, are like bootstrapped. Like we've not taken any funding. So like if you have, you know, you, you gradually get to have some money coming in that is spared every month, whatever. Like you're like, what, what do we do with this? Do we hire someone? Do we give everyone more money? Do we, you know, buy some other thing? You know, like do we? get a bigger office, like all this kind of stuff. Like, and you, you can't spend it on everything, you know. Um, so you have to be really intentional about what you're going to do. And yeah, that that's pretty hard, especially in a company when you're growing a company. Like if you're a fairly more mature business, and then it, it gets a bit easier. But yeah, like that's uh, that's a big both challenge and surprise, I think. All right. So now we're we're switching modes kind of. Um, sure. So what do you what do you love so much about email marketing? <laughs> so a few things. So like, so one is so like I've, I've worked in lots of digital stuff. I've lots, worked in lots of kind of analog, you know, real world stuff as well. And like, it's email's pretty fast. Like obviously like a lot of taxi is about making it easier for people and getting it to be done quicker and more f- effectively. But like it's um, compared to like other channels, like email's pretty cheap and it's pretty fast to get out there, which means two things. Like one is it doesn't have to be perfect every time. Like being done is better than perfect a lot of the time. Um, and also you can learn because you send so much of it you can see what happens, you can see what works, and then you can incorporate that learning next time. Whereas quite often, and the results are pretty immediate as well. Now they're changing a little bit with MPP and things like that, but like in broad terms, like you see the result of your work pretty quickly. And what that means is you can continue to grow and, and start doing other stuff in a way that you can't really in, you know, if you're making like even a website is a huge amount of work to get off the ground and live and then tends to kind of sit there and stagnate a bit. The other thing that I like about email is it's it's not owned by anyone. So obviously, like, you have to pay to get email out the door in some way. Like, you have to pay people to do the work. You have to pay an ESP to get it into the world and all this kind of stuff. But, like, it's if, if you're doing social, like, you've just got a big old bill that you've got to pay Facebook or Meta or whatever they call themselves. Like... And the same for Google for, you know, advertising and, and Twitter and, and wherever else. So, like, those channels are great and they're useful, but also they're closed. And if if Facebook come in one day and say, not only 
you know, they can say, hey, the price has gone up, but also they can say, hey, this functionality isn't available anymore. We're not doing this. You can't do this. So like that control is is in our hands as marketers more in email. For sure. Okay, so what do you do in your role, your current role? <laughs> you know, are you still leading yeah. the action rocket? Are you still doing taxi? Your, um, part, your spark plug, or ta- is taxi still called taxi or it's now spark plug's taxi? <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so the, the easy question, the easy part of that is action rocket. So action rocket like has a team that looks after it. So I'm, I'm involved in conversations and stuff, but like day to day, I'm I'm good. So taxi so i was the ceo at taxi and then obviously we got acquired by SparkPost. so i've transitioned now to a role working with uh, george and chris so G- george was the founder at SparkPost, and then chris oh, okay. was cto maybe at, at eData source which was a, another company acquired by SparkPost. so we work in a team called the evangelist team and the evangelist team does a few things but so one is the kind of fairly obvious like go out do talks things like this whatever the other thing is uh we, we do a lot of work internally kind of helping other teams like as a kind of source of like knowledge and kind of subtle direction without saying hey you should do this like so like being able to to kind of just kind of just be useful in lots of small ways but crucially like not be like right this is a sales deal and I'm going to run it or anything like that you know like so I'm involved in a whole load of conversations and and helping sort of nudge things in in directions that are are good but also I'm it's not like I'm running the business (laughs) anything the other thing that's, that's kind of interesting is like because I'm involved in so many conversations, like I can link people together pretty easily. So we, we kind of help stop people working in silos quite often without people knowing, especially working remotely and, and things like that. So I can be like, oh, look, so there's two other people who are also working on solving this problem. Let's all get everyone together and, and see, you know, how we do this. The other thing is is SparkPost. So after Taxi was acquired, like literally like the week after, I think, uh, SparkPost was acquired by MessageBird. Oh, um, okay. So MessageBird is a big company that called the, uh, CPaaS, which is communication platform as a service, I think. Okay. Customer platform. That sounds right. I need yeah. to check that. Um, but, um, <laughs> sorry, Robert, if you're watching this. Um, but um, Yeah, it's funny because like, we've like, never heard of MessageBird. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, as so, email marketing people, we're like, what the hell is MessageBird? Like, yeah. out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, like... exactly. But then you see and you're like, oh, that's who they are. Like, they do all this stuff. Um, so MessageBird is when when we talk about like omnichannel and all that kind of stuff. Like MessageBird is omnichannel in the way that like what we do in email is one part of like MessageBird does push and SMS, WhatsApp, all this other kind of stuff, and does that at scale for for massive companies, governments all around the world. So like where that's going to go oh, is, is really okay. exciting. So like I've just been working on like a big sales engagement for this multi-channel, but also in lots of different, like in-depth multi-channel rather than just like, hey, by the way, you can send a text message. It's like, great, we didn't want to. <laughs> like, yeah, so, so that's really exciting. Like seeing where that's kind of going to go is 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 really cool. And applying some of those things, like there's a lot of stuff that we know as people who work in email, like about like how communication works, how to convince people stuff, like, you know, kind of core marketing skills, but also like how to react to data, how to make stuff instantaneous and things like that so applying a lot of that stuff into different channels i think is is really exciting so yeah seeing where that goes is is, is pretty fun okay i did this question isn't in there but i'm just curious like <laughs> is taxi going to be continuing to develop and, and and you know is it still yeah, yeah. constant development like it's- yeah absolutely so like so one thing that the people kind of asked us especially at the start of the acquisition is like taxi was worked with any esp like you can get your code out as a zip file anyway but like you can also plug into Salesforce or Responses or Oracle or, you know, whatever. You're dating yourself. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, well, like, uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember the new ones. <laughs> so like, uh, Clavio. Yeah, Clavio, Iterable, people like that. Um, so we work with those as well. Um, what's interesting is, you know, like we, we solved the problem for some of the people working with older ESPs because they were kind of stuck, not stuck, but like they were so entrenched with working with them, like they couldn't, Right. really quickly move so like they're like look let's use this for production and then we plug into plug into our, our current esp but anyway um so like one thing people ask was like okay cool so now you're owned by SparkPost, you're just going to cut off all the connectors it's like no like SparkPost inherently <laughs> like works with almost every Everyone. esp like somewhere i think it's like the top 15 esps or something like that like SparkPost is involved in some way in email getting out of the door like, I don't want to break mm-hmm. any NDAs, but like, right, you know, <laughs> I understand like, that. Yeah, we talked about that. Smartpost does a lot of stuff <laughs> and isn't in the same, like, in the way that you might look at a sort of more traditional ESP and be like, oh, so, you know, they don't 
they need to own the entire journey and won't work with anyone else or whatever. Like SparkPost is the opposite of that. Like we work with a whole bunch of people and empower. Uh-huh, right, like people. they're... Um, they'll handle any part of it yeah exactly so like taxi is like still absolutely working with any any and all esps obviously like being closer to SparkPost is great because we can have conversations about like like we, we built a lot of stuff without being involved with any esps so like mm-hmm. now being able to have these conversations be like okay cool so like what would make it easier for us to do this and then and you have the connection yeah, exactly so say, okay cool so like could you change your api to do this and it would help us and it would help you and, and whatever you know like so just being open to those conversations is really exciting not just at SparkPost, but with all the other esps as well yeah so um absolutely like taxi is is you know doing the same thing that we were we were always doing and set out to do just at a much bigger scale yeah it's kind of it's cool that it's like we were able to do this and continue like what we were set out to do in a way that, you know, like the other options to do that are things like take VC funding, do some kind of partnership, all that kind of stuff. So like, I think this is the nicest way to be able to do this. And it's really like exciting seeing where we're, what what we've done already, but where we're going next is is pretty cool. That's great. Email marketers who run high volume email programs know that the ease with which you can make decisions impacts campaign success. And that's why OnGage made sure it's easy to act on, optimize, and leverage your data. With OnGage, you'll be able to send your customers on personalized journeys based on the data from an action-based dashboard and with in-depth reporting. To learn more, visit hilleberg.com slash OnGage and discover what OnGage can do for you. Were you approached by other companies? Like, was anyone else interested in acquiring Taxi? Is it like an ongoing thing for years or it just kind no, of like, happened? Again, like, a lot of this stuff is NDA'd, right? But like, oh, yeah, you okay. I mean, the, the NDA's exist, that so kind of answers your question. Um, right, but yeah, NDA. Like, you get, you, fairly often, you, you have people have conversations, like, and, and quite often they're just nonsense. Like, there's some professional, professional company buyers, uh-huh. like, or companies that, like they, they just want to build a group of companies they don't care what they buy so like oh, you're like mm. what else is in your portfolio and they're like well it's a refuse company it's like okay <laughs> cool like you know whatever <laughs> got um, it like uh-huh. yeah. you didn't see um, how that would be like helping the brand much yeah, yeah I, spoke, I said this on another podcast but like there's one that we spoke to and then they kind of gave away like they said like oh yeah that company we kept the management team I was like oh okay like that's that's what's gonna happen here. <laughs> like, um so yeah, like you do have these conversations, but the, again, it's a bit like saying you're doing a startup, right? Like you, you don't sell your company to anyone. You really you have to be really sure about where you're going to go and how it's going to what, what's going to happen afterwards. You know how it's going to be valuable to them, that kind of thing. All right. So, what are your top five email marketing tips for 2022? Uh, I feel like they haven't changed so much since 2021. I just feel like you have to structure these questions this way. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so like, well, it's probably going to be like the year of mobile again, right? Um, all that kind of stuff, yeah. Um, so, like, I think like what I was kind of saying before, like, the the same thing is like you've got to have a decent message. If your message sucks, like nothing else will help. Like, you might get an incremental uplift by doing something flashy or you know some technique or something, but if ultimately the product you're selling or the message you're putting across isn't going to resonate with people or isn't solving a problem then there's nothing else that can that you can do really without addressing that um so that's like my number one tip but like it's big enough to also be like two and three it's like <laughs> the, have, a, have a strong brand that's what yeah. it sounds like to me like have a really strong yeah. brand that means something like but ultimately something. yeah and when people say like oh hey how do i not go into the the promo box you know promo tab <laughs> or whatever it's like send good email and people will seek out your email like that's right you know, the, the more people open your email, the less chance you have of it just going into some tab somewhere, right? So like... Right. And especially only... if we're engaged, you know, I yeah. mean, I think, yeah, we have our own Gmail accounts where like the brands we like float to the yeah, top. Yeah. And, exactly. Yeah. And and not just for that, for specific users, but on aggregate, then Gmail goes, oh, well, 50% of people really love these emails. For the other 50%, let's bump it up a bit for them as well. Like, ultimately like sending doing good work not taking shortcuts and just doing it well and like ultimately we know what that is sometimes we ignore our, our voices doing that but like yeah so ultimately I, th- I think that's that's the you know the big tip obviously like we're at the point we had this conversation about mobile right you know 10 years ago 
people were like, how, how do I deal with mobile? Like, we're now in, in a similar position with things like uh, dark mode. Like, we're trying to work it out. Dark mode, the goalposts are moving a little here and there. Like, Gmail renders it a different way to Outlook. That renders it to a different way to, G- to, to uh, iOS, um, which is similar to how mobile was five, ten years ago, right? And eventually things yeah. do well, get... It was a good time to, to shout out to your team, you know, to yeah. in particular, to write yeah, exactly. a great article about how to adapt for, for dark mode. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and like, it's staying up to date with that, like, trying it out and seeing how it goes, but also learning as you go and, and improving and stuff. Like, it isn't the case of, like, add this code and it, and it starts working. Like, got to kind of change your mindset a bit. So, yeah, d- doing that kind of thing. So, yeah, mo- uh, dark mode is a big thing. There's been a lot of talk about accessibility. So I think like if you're not doing that much stuff about accessibility, thinking about that a lot more is is an important thing for 2022 onwards. Again, it's not something where it's like, oh, you do this and now it's accessible. There are some code things to think about, but also increasingly it's a, it's a mindset, right? Like if you're writing content that is is triggering people with anxiety or people are autistic and they read your content in a certain way or, or whatever, like people who have epilepsy, that kind of thing. Like there, there is no code to just make it work for them. Like you have to change your approach. You have to consider these people and, and change your marketing approach accordingly. And also people aren't autistic or not, or then, you know, like there's a massive, I mean, there's literally the autism spectrum, but like the people aren't like they need accessibility or not. Like there's a huge range of all different reasons and, and ways that people need these things. And, and uh, it's, uh, it, it, ultimately, like everyone needs that kind of stuff at, at, at some point. Like, needs your emails to be accessible to them. People talk about like this idea of situational needs as well as like permanent needs and things like that. Like, if if like audio doesn't really apply to email, but like people might be completely deaf or they might be situationally um, in a in a bar or something like that. Like, and in both of those places uh, or situations, like if you're trying to get a message across audially only it's not going to work. So like you have to consider that. So like, what is, what is that for email? How do we think about that? Um, right. Like if we use WhatsApp, how many times have we had to write? Like, I can't listen now. Can you send the message? Yeah, like- exactly. <laughs> you know, there's, there's, a, there's a stat. I, I can't get the solid number, but like mm-hmm. if you, if you put video onto social, there's a, a massive amount of people just aren't hearing the audio on that. Like, because they're on the train or on the bus or, I mean, people do have audio on the bus, but that's annoying. But, you know, like, or they're in bed or whatever. Like, so you've got to make sure that subtitles work for those for those videos, right? So, yeah, like, all of that kind of stuff, like, working on accessibility is a massive topic. But if you don't solve it all straight away, at least understanding the challenges, I think, is a good thing to start on for 2022. Yeah. And then the other kind of stuff, like, I've been learning a lot about deliverability, a lot more, because... Spark work now. Right. Yeah. And like it's so far beyond this idea of like, oh well, there's these spammy words and you shouldn't add these. Like oh. or, you know, or even just can I put this code in and get into the promo tab or whatever, or get out of the promo tab. Like so much of it is kind of algorithmic, so much of it is specific to an individual user. Like a lot of stuff comes down to like there are some technical best practices but so much of it comes down to just do do well do do a good you know don't don't take shortcuts basically and do do it well <laughs> have a strategy <laughs> yes exactly yeah <laughs> all right so i mean it sort of like flips on that but yeah, the, what, yeah. I, I wonder if like you haven't mentioned this at all but like image only emails i still get a ton of them and i feel yeah, like a yeah. lot of even like the big brands you know big brands when i talk about my competitors you know agencies mm. are just like you know, because I have to get emails out so fast. It's just the easiest way to do it. It's just, you know, images, 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 you know. Yeah, yeah. It bothers me because I know they're doing well with it. But um, <laughs> it's definitely not best practice. No, absolutely. And and it's, yeah, it, it's not very good for accessibility at all. Like, there's, um, it, it's also hard production as well. Like, it means you have to go back to Photoshop every time or your image tools, you know, like, it, it is actually harder to get it out the door quite often. Yeah, like, all image emails, they do have a place. Like, images have a place in emails hiding all of your content inside an image or trapping it inside an image is maybe not the way to go. Um, but again, like people kind of do learn and evolve out of it eventually. So it's not, you know, completely terrible. So I have, I have an email mistake story I can tell you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everyone so, loves email mistakes. You know, my uh, best, uh, my, my all time, you know, record, you know, LinkedIn post was about an email mistake. <laughs> so uh, people love mistakes. So go cool. for it. All right. So one time, so, this isn't directly mine, but I was involved in the 
project. So like for London 2012 for the Olympics, right? So I mentioned we, we were working on that. So there was a whole bunch of, in the run up to that, like it was, you know, the run up was like two years or something. We were managing a campaign for, if you want to be a volunteer, I think they were called Games Makers maybe. And there was a huge amount. There was like 80,000 people or something involved in like, you know, showing up being kind of stewards and things like that but also like just being involved somewhere in the process volunteering and there's there's a big kind of national you know attention on this and, and getting getting people to, to give up their time and be involved in it and whatever and it was one of those kind of hey it'll be good on your cv kind of things so there, there was like i think like half a million people applied to be a games maker something like that it was a massive amount and we were doing the emails and obviously at that scale you can't email everyone saying hey sorry you're not going to you know, like you can't personally email everyone. You didn't pass the interview, or whatever. So that was all being done by us, like as an ESP. And um, yeah, we uh, so we we wrote the creative for like, hey, you're successful. Thanks. You know, here's here's what's going to happen next. And we had an email saying, hey, we're so sorry, it's it's not going to happen. You know, and uh, the creative. <laughs> I'm, sorry, I'm like covering my mouth, like wondering what <laughs> happened next. You know. So, <laughs> We, it was all loaded up on the ESP. For some reason, this was going out on like a Friday afternoon, which you should never do. So like, yeah, we had this all set up. It was all loaded up. We were like, okay, cool. It's going out at like 7 p.m. on a Friday or whatever it was. We're like, okay, cool. We're all good. We'll go to the, we always used to go to the, the bar, the pub at like in the five or something. So we all then were like, okay, cool. That's all good. That's done. You know, it's all scheduled. Let's go. Went to the pub. And then we're talking. We're like, oh, wouldn't it be really bad if we got it wrong? And then... Someone had their laptop and we're like, oh, look, can we just check? Like we had like a couple drinks and we're like, oh, let's just, you know, <laughs> before we go any further, let's just get check. And it was wrong. Like we had the wrong creative and the wrong. Oh, like like the people who got rejected were getting the accepted yeah, yeah. email and yeah. the people that were accepted <laughs> were getting rejected. Yeah, um, that's horrible. Yeah. And that if that would have <laughs> l- luckily we were able to stop it, but only, you know, it's almost like diffusing a bomb. Like it was within an hour. <laughs> um and that would have been like, a, oh, you know, that would have been a newspaper of... level scandal. <laughs> <laughs> Catastrophe. So, yeah. yeah, but luckily it all was well and we we all, you know, lived lived to survive another day. But, yeah, <laughs> That would have been a disaster if it went wrong. Awesome. It's a great story. <laughs> all right. How, how do you see email changing in the next five years? That's a good question. Um, so I think like email's a weird channel in that I think partly because it isn't owned by anyone, like it doesn't change quickly in the same, you know, like Twitter or whatever will probably be massively different. So like one answer is like not much, but also it, it does change gradually. And it sometimes changes like there's something you see for ages and it doesn't change. And then something happens and it changes all at once. So like MPP is one of those, like you could kind of see people have been talking about privacy for a number of years. And then all of a sudden, like 40% of, of the audience is, is affected by something. Uh, so I think like that, that privacy stuff, I think it's going to continue. Like I could see that being rolled out in, in different ESPs, uh, different uh, email clients. So I think we, we do need to adapt to that. If not, like technically we have to, you know, we're not forced to, I think like conceptually we do like privacy is increasingly in the hands of an audience that is now more aware of, of privacy and, and the implications for it. So I think, you know, like ethically, that's something we should be thinking about, regardless of whether systematically we're going to be allowed to do stuff or whatever. So I think that's going to be a, a big and continuing thing. Um, like dark mode, I could see again being one of those things where like all of a sudden it's like, oh, we've got to do this. Um, I mean, we do kind of have to do it now, but like there would be a kind of technical change. It's like, oh, if you're not doing it, there's going to be problems. So I think like that's that's something to, to consider. I think like the other thing is, is yeah, like kind of in, in terms of not changing, like I think it's still going to be here. It's still going to be a, a channel, either one off the top or the top channel that generates money for people. So yeah, I, I don't see that kind of stuff going away. But yeah, I think maybe more more awareness of privacy and stuff is, is probably the biggest thing. All right, you've you've accomplished a lot. So, what are you mm-hmm. most proud of? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so, I think like <laughs> being able to have a career, like being able to spend a lot of time. You know, I've worked with a whole bunch of different teams and, and clients and things like that. So, like just being able to work with lots of different people. Uh, I think like the people that I've been able to work with has been like is is pretty cool. And like the teams that we've built over the years, doing various things, like not just you know Action Rocket and Taxi, but like you know we we work. As, especially on Action Rocket, like we work as partners. So like we work with like people at the BBC and, and spend time with them or like, you know, the, the different 
like work with client teams as well. So like being able to do stuff with them, I think is really cool. And like working in a way that like that they appreciate and is different to how they work with other agencies and contractors and stuff like that, I think is, is really good. Like being able to talk, I think it's been cool. Like go around, like I've traveled a whole load of places, being able to do talks and, and conferences and stuff. That's, that's pretty fun. Like conferences are always a bit of a kind of double-edged sword because like there is a business case to do them, but like really... Like it, it's a week out of your out of your life going and doing, you know, especially ones in America and stuff. So like you've got to want to do it. Like so, yeah, like that's that's cool. Yeah, I think like just just growing the companies and, and getting to where we are. I think and like and being able to change. Like we've we've done a lot of email that's been successful and actually has hopefully kind of you know nudged nudged the entire channel in in a certain way to be better. So yeah, I think I think that's pretty cool. All right, awesome. All right, we get some more fun questions. All right, so, what are your favorite brands in uh, you know doing email in the inbox? Um, yeah, that's a good question. So, like, I like when like especially an e-commerce email is done well. So, like, part of that is just good segmentation and things, but also just executed well. So, like, I, it's a whole bunch of like retailers. <laughs> like John Lewis is one I, I look at <laughs> a lot. I like a lot of the the newsletters. Then they kind of come and go, but like these kind of opinionated newsletters that you get from like I guess people who were on Twitter more, and then they got into more long form content. So like I think the inside emails, there's a whole bunch of those that are pretty cool, and like they focus on a whole bunch of topics. So like this inside cryptocurrency and inside whatever. So like yeah, that, those those ones are cool. They've dialed down a bit now, but there's this guy called Jason Hirschhorn. He does his company's called Media Redef um, or Redef, and they uh, so it's like a kind of came out of him like twenty years ago, sending out like a, lo- a bunch of links every day to his network, and then he grew it into like a company. So like his emails, they're, they're not sending a huge amount at the moment, but like, I always check for for those because they're a nice mix of like a bit of an editorial rant and then like some really interesting things to read. Um, yeah, so those are those are probably the ones that I would, like my go to emails. And then everything else is like, I'll dip in and see what's going on. Obviously, I get a lot of email. Like, I have like an inbox, like a, a burner email account just full of stuff. <laughs> 10 million. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. I, just, I actually just deleted from my main inbox. You know, I don't pay for Google storage. So I deleted right. like 20, yeah, 2004 to, I don't know, 2012 to make <laughs> for my emails. Yeah. But, yeah, um, mine is, so my all inboxes is 235,000 on my phone. So yeah, it's a lot of email. <laughs> there you go. It's a lot of email. It's a lot of email. Mm. All right. What are your favorite? Again, fair. I feel like I got to, you know, adjust the spelling for you. Mm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the word favorite. Yeah, but um, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, what are your favorite campaigns? I mean, you've done at Action Rocket, you've produced some pretty heavy duty campaigns. Um, just curious mm. what your favorite campaigns are, whether in-house or out-house. You know. Yeah. So we, we've worked on a whole load of stuff. There's some stuff that's kind of glamorous, like or looks glamorous. <laughs> um, so like we've worked with <laughs> some some pretty high end brands. So that's that's pretty fun. Like um, I'm just thinking what's what's we're allowed to talk about. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, there's, there's a couple of brands I can't mention. But like the being able to like go inside some pretty cool places and and you know talk about email, but talk you know the, obviously the email team is in in the building where the cool stuff happens. So like I've been to like Formula One offices, like HQs and things like that to talk about doing email for them and and things like that. Uh, like those kind of places because you do get to afterwards have a wander around and look at all the cars that they have and that kind of thing. Um, so that, that stuff's take a pretty fun. Take a, take a lap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. One that stands out fairly recently is we did a whole bunch of stuff for the BBC around the election, which was in 2019, the, the last one, so just before the, the pandemic. And um, we were doing, like, live results. Um, and in the UK, there's, like, 650 constituencies. So, like, each one of those has a result, and they're all called at different times. So there's a huge amount of data flying around. It's the BBC, so it's got to be completely accurate. You can't get it wrong. So it's, it's pretty high stakes. Um and we were like generating images on the fly, like graphs and and sort of change over the last the last election and, and all this kind of thing. So like a lot of a lot of work and a lot of things to be aware of. So like we spent we worked on that project for like maybe three or four weeks. Like they did like being able to see behind the scenes for a project like that. So like a couple of days before, like they were running so like you have like your election coverage on the TV or whatever, like they were running that like a week before every night, like 
with last year's data and stuff like that. And we're kind of watching and seeing our results in the email and our dummy one change at the same time. Like that kind of stuff was, was pretty fun because you, you get to see behind the scenes of how that stuff's done. And even like on the night, like we spent, we pulled like an all-nighter and worked in like the, in the newsroom at the BBC for when the election was, the result was out. So like that kind of thing is, is pretty cool. That's really cool. Yeah, that is, yeah. that's a really, that's the best answer I think we've gotten so far. <laughs> cool. All right, we've reached the end and this is just, you have the, you have the floor, uh, just your, your own final thought. Yeah, um, I don't know really. Like, so like, one thing that people ask me sometimes is like, how people reach out and, and ask like, hey, look, so my career's doing this and how do I get to wherever? Like, how do I do this? How do I do that? I want to do that. It's like, I think like email is, is a pretty cool channel because it's, you can work in whatever industry you want and do the email for it. So I think obviously like people have to pay the bills and you have to get into a situation where you're comfortable and can, you know, whatever, whatever it is you want to do in life. <laughs> um, but like email is, is, is pretty good to support you in, in, in doing that. It's pretty solid and it's pretty results driven. So like, I think um, one thing I kind of say to, to those people is like, just when people say like, oh, I want to do this, but I'm not sure, I don't, I don't want to, screw this up or whatever it's like it's not a dummy run like you, you try something you enjoy it and then you go and do the next thing like you kind of just have to have a go and try stuff and and get to where you're gonna go like i think and uh, along the way like there's that kind of instagram picture of like here's what success looks like and it's all just like a massive squiggle and people think it's a straight line or whatever <laughs> which is like super cliche but like it's true like you you get things wrong a whole bunch of times like you have to learn from it and sometimes it's really hard hard mistakes to make and sometimes they're painful but you have to go and process it and go and work it out and move on to you know and then work out where you're going to move forward from like so yeah like it's not like a linear binary journey like it's it's just kind of like everyone is working stuff out as they go along so just go out and try stuff and, and see where you go so no that was great that was really great i mean my, even one of my clients like they almost went belly up like a few years ago because they had a bad partner mm -hmm. and the best, yeah, yeah. but like now they're doing great, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, <laughs> oh, really? Thank you. You know, like yeah, I guess every business has ups and downs, and it's really good to hear it from the guy um, who did mm. one of those businesses. Um, and it's still involved mm. in that kind of stuff. So yeah, thank yeah, yeah. you so much. I mean, I just I see we have a comment. It might be gobbledygook, but yeah, it's gobbledygook. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. Really, really appreciate you coming on, and uh, it was a really great talk. And I hope you enjoyed it as well. Um, yeah, no, it's good. Thanks for having us on. Cool. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Good. It's great to, great to have a one-to-one. -one. We haven't had that in, in probably in, in a while. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I really appreciate it. Yeah, that's all good. All the best. Well, that's our show for today. Uh, yeah, big thank you again to Elliot Ross, Action Rocket, and Spark and uh, Spark Post. Taxi for email. Check them all out. They're all great. And that's it. That's our show for today. Have a good one. Yeah.